Introducing Brian Breaker, the biggest icon in wrestling. Daniel Ross. This is the Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel. What is going on? What are you doing? We will not go quietly into the night. Hang on! Houston, you have a problem. Boom shakalaka! I'm sweating like a pig here. It's a long time. Mr. Phoenix! Eat the pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again for some Saturday morning nostalgia. It is a Saturday morning rumble wheel. My name is Brian Breaker, and joining me as always on this weekly dose of nostalgia is my friend Daniel Cross. Daniel, are you ready for some Saturday morning nostalgia? I am ready, and pants are encouraged, but they are optional on the Saturday morning rumble wheel. Absolutely. Always optional are the pants. Uh, it's episode 41 this week. Man, we are cruising right along, making a bunch of episodes, more than I would have probably imagined, because um, we've, we've gone through so many topics. And I don't know if you've noticed this, man. It's almost kind of like, hey, did we cover that yet? Like, anytime you're right. you're getting into a new topic, because we've, we've covered so many things, I have to literally look over the list. Um, but no, but this is definitely something we have not covered. It's episode 41 this week, and we're diving into 90s NBA. This is one of your picks, man, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, so I mean, how big of a sports fan were you, you know, when you were in your early adolescence? Well, I think like most kids, I, I was into what other kids were into, you know, and and like I, I'm not a huge sports guy today. I, I don't, because I, I, I know so so many people get so, so wrapped up in sports. It's never really been my thing personally. Um, not that yeah, I don't me enjoy, neither. Not that I don't enjoy watching, you know football or baseball or basketball, but it just has never been my thing necessarily. But, you know, back in the 90s, man, and actually a topic I have penciled in for a future Rumble Wheel is Sports Illustrated for Kids. Oh, yes. Yeah. Dude, that magazine was so cool. And, um, in fact, I would actually, I, I don't know if it's expensive now, but I would, I would love to get some classic issues, like, uh, off eBay or something. I think that'd be fun. But, no, man, I, so I, but I think every kid to some degree was into 90s sports like uh, there's a, a, a t-shirt website I like called homage H O M A G E cheap plug for them, but they have a lot of sports uh, t-shirts and, and hoodies and stuff, but they do like the nineties baseball, basketball and football logos. And I'm like, Oh man, like that. Yeah, that's fun. That hits harder to me than anything currently. Cause I just like, well, that's really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, we mentioned last week sports were just, I mean, they, it's not like they ever weren't a big thing. Yeah, but you know, but you know, I feel like definitely in the '90s for us, sports was always a big deal. You know, we mentioned all the nostalgic sports movies like The Mighty Ducks and The Sandlot, yeah, and uh, Ernest Slam Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the classics, the classics, exactly. Uh, but no, like so, the NBA. I told you just a little history if you weren't aware. So apparently, like in the '70s, early '80s, the NBA was kind of on a downhill slide, like. It wasn't making money. It had a, a horrible reputation. Kind of the reputation was it was just a bunch of guys who were on cocaine. And, uh, you know, not uh, not something for the kids. Because all these NBA players are getting, like, drug, you know, busted for drugs and all sorts of stuff. Right. So Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, when they got drafted, they kind of started to turn the NBA around. 
because they were both these kind of clean-cut guys, and they had this huge rivalry, you know, that kind of it started in college and then kind of captivated everybody when they both went into the pros, I think, the same year. And Larry Bird might have went in the year before. So they kind of saved the NBA, honestly. And then what they did was pretty much set the table for Michael Jordan, because then here comes Michael Jordan, I think, in 85 or 86. And, uh, you know, he was doing things that nobody's ever seen before, you know, with a basketball and, you know, drew a lot of attention to the NBA. And again, another kind of clean cut guy, even though, you know, years later we found out he wasn't so clean cut, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he saved the NBA and, you know, drew, drew a ton of attention. And, you know, by the nineties, I mean, the NBA was just huge, you know, with the Bulls, you know, winning, you know, three championships in a row and then. The Houston Rockets, you know, won it two years in a row, and then Michael Jordan came back, and the Bulls won it three more years in a row. Um, you know, so when I think of all that, it's just like Michael Jordan, you know, starter jackets. You know, it was oh, like man. just everywhere you looked, you know. It, it was huge. It, sports in that era were huge. and We've talked about this a little bit with when we covered Yikes Pencils, but I remember my school sold, I think they were, I want to say they were, a quarter, but they may have even only been a dime where you could buy sports logo pencils oh, yeah. up in the office. And like, you could get like the plain yellow ones. Maybe those were a dime, but the sports were 25 cents. And so mm-hmm. you know, I, being the slick kid, I am, Hey mom, can I have some quarters? I need to buy pencils. How much are pencils? They're 25 cents. And I'm not <laughs> really lying, but you know, I'm not, I'm not letting it be known that, uh, that I could buy the yellow ones a little bit cheaper, but you know, it's one of those things like that was huge to be able to have. Like, I remember I had a New York Jets football uh, pencil. Uh-huh. Not a New York Jets fan, but how cool is that? You know, like to have that yeah. logo pencil. And I feel like 90s NBA was kind of like, you know, the dream team, right? I mean, all that stuff was hitting, oh, the dream team. hitting at that time. And like, it was huge. I remember, um, and this is not really specifically to the era, I guess, but. Dude, my cousin had NBA Jam on Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, that game, we played so much NBA Jam. For sure. So, yeah, 90s NBA was definitely huge back in the day. Yeah, NBA Jam, what a great game that was. Well, Do you remember, I, like, the codes you could put in and you could get, like, Bill and Hillary Clinton? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a perf, like, the that's, that's why, like, when I when I see current day video games and they just don't hit me like back in the day, because I'm like, mm-hmm. if you were to have a Super Nintendo, and and say like, all right, you can have 20 games for the Super Nintendo, you could probably name 50 like must have games, right? Like, I mean, you're Mario, NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, like Super Punch Out. There's so many, it would be hard to even narrow that list down. Yeah, so you know, speaking of video games, I remember playing. I'm actually gonna see if I can. Find it, but Charles Barkley had his own video game in the nineties. Barkley, <laughs> shut up and jam. Was that okay? Yes, yeah. I remember renting that from my local video store for Sega Genesis. Yeah, I had a friend. He had he actually bought it, so he had it, and uh, yeah, we played that a ton. It was pretty much NBA Jam, just it was like street basketball, though, right? Yep, yep. They played with it like uh, Charles Barkley in it. Yep, but like Shaq Fu. I mean, holy crap, we could do an entire episode on Shaq Fu. I think that is so much fun. <laughs> Oh, well, okay, so that was the other thing. So, yeah, Jordan came in, you know, and he was obviously huge, you know, 80s into the 90s, and he was carrying the NBA. 
But then, yeah, like 92, Shaq comes in, and he's almost just as popular. You know, he's this huge seven-foot guy that can, at the time, he could, like, jump through the ceiling, and he's ripping down basketball goals, and, you know, it was just, you know, huge business, I imagine, for the NBA. I remember in that era, though, those guys were, they were legendary. Like, I, um, I, we were talking about Michael Jordan last week a little bit when we kind of, when we spun this topic. And I was like, man, to me, there was like a handful of 90s athletes that were bigger than life. Mike Tyson and Michael yep. Jordan were, were definitely two of them. And Shaquille O'Neal, when he hit, man, I was a huge Shaq fan. I remember getting an Orlando Magic, like, starter jacket and a hat for Christmas one year. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yep. And um, I remember I played basketball in school. Terrible at basketball. My God, I was horrible. <laughs> but I remember we we were playing, and we went – like, they had, like, a Salvation Army League. Our coach opted to put us in this, like, bigger league. And so we played at this basketball, like, place that was a little bit different. And it was, like, it was like three courts in one. Um, so like there was like a court A, B and C. And so like, you never knew which one you were going to be on, but all the teams were just like incredible. We were like, not good at all. And, uh, I remember one game we got beat 72 to two. Nice. (laughs) And even worse, the two points, uh, no, 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 no. It wasn't 72 to two. Um, what was, Oh, okay. I remember it was 72 to nothing. And two of the points the other team got was one of our players scoring on the wrong side. Nice. <laughs> Which was just, like, it didn't matter. Like, they're ahead by, like, 70 points. But, yeah, we were horrible. But, anyway, that year, we didn't, we we only, had our jerseys, like, we had the tank tops, but they didn't have a na- name on the front. And we get there, and the, the guy running the, like, the youth center, I guess you could say, I was like, hey, I need a team name to put on the schedule to, to make, uh, you know, to pass out to everybody. And they're like, what do you guys think? And I was like, how about the magic? And he was like, all right, we're the magic. And I remember I'd be, I was so stoked because I loved Orlando magic. That was my favorite team. And so, uh, being able to, to do that was like, yeah, this is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was super cool. Oh yeah. Shaq, you know, yeah. I, I remember being a magic fan too. And he got drafted. Shaq was, uh, so marketable. So you mentioned Shaq foo. I didn't realize they actually, uh, made another one. It's called Shaq Fu, a legend reborn. Apparently that was just recently. I I definitely own that on the Nintendo switch. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So there was that, uh, there was Shaq had his own tiger electronics game, which I had, I had Uh, Shaq attack. Uh, yeah. Two rap albums. Yes. Uh, and also what was the other one? I was just thinking, Oh, uh, Kazam Kazam and steel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Steel. Yep. With, which came with action figures. Mm hmm. I have a Steel action figure. Yeah, Steel was actually a DC Comics character. He's in the Superman universe. A lot of people didn't really know that, but yeah, he, he was. Yeah, okay. yeah, so I mean, Shaq was everywhere. Michael Jordan was everywhere. Um, so here, I've, I've mentioned this before, so here's kind of my theory. Um, so everyone, with when you talk about WWE, uh, WWE, they're always talking about how the 90s was the best era, and maybe it was you know, the late 90s, and they, they always talk about the stacked roster. Like, you had all these stars that you just don't have anymore. Yeah. But I think a lot of them were stars basically by association. It's just that wrestling was so popular in 98, like, everybody became stars. Yeah. And I think it was the same with the NBA. Like, yes. you know, there were all these iconic 
people in the NBA in the 90s, like Patrick Ewing and David Robinson and Dikembe Mutombo, John Starks. I mean, you know, they were all, obviously, they were all great players. Chris Webber, um, they were all great players, but at the same time, you know, were they that great? I don't know, but, you know, the NBA was just so popular at the time. Like, all these people became huge megastars. Right. Yeah. I think also, too, um, because it was so huge, there's that cross-promotion marketability. Like, do you remember Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City for Super Nintendo? Yes, yep. It wasn't even, like, a basketball game. He was, like, saving the city. Like, that's how that's how popular he was. Same with Shaq Fu. I think a lot of that was because these guys were so larger than life. Like, let's get them out of that realm of... Um, just being a pro basketball player, but also too, and this is kind of a, you know obviously we're wrestling people, so we're gonna have to talk about this. Freaking Bash of the Beach '98, Dennis Rodman and yeah. Hollywood Hogan against DDP and Carl Malone. Not the greatest wrestling match in the world, but I mean, you are wrestling fans. You knew how big the hype was on something like that. You know what the thing I thought of when I when I saw them, I okay. So when when Carl uh, uh, Malone when he was in the NBA. And he was playing. He always looked so huge. Mm-hmm. Like, he always like a huge ball player. But he goes to pro wrestling, and he almost looks small by comparison. Because he was thin, like, he was, you know. Yeah, he was tall. You know, he's obviously, he was like almost seven feet tall, I think. Or six foot eight or ten. But, uh, and legitimately six foot eight or ten. Not, not uh, Andre the Giant, seven foot four. Right. <laughs> but, uh, which, yeah. If that shattered anybody's childhood, Andre the Giant was not really seven foot four. What? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, Carl Malone got in there. He just, yeah, he looked like a pipe cleaner compared to, you know, pro wrestlers. He looked so small. Well, yeah, and, and I think that was the thing is they – it's funny about that match specifically, if you have not watched it in a while. Um, me and Bain and this other guy, we did a short-lived podcast called The Wrestling Watch Party where the idea was we're going to watch a retro pay-per-view and just review it. Mm-hmm. And and so we're trying to think of ones that like kind of hit nostalgia and Bane suggested Bash of the Beach ninety eight and I'm like, Oh, that's perfect because you know, that's like height of WCW, but you have like the NBA involved, so it's like that's kind of fun. And um the that match is so horribly bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> because DDP's trying to like run spots with Rodman and it's like not working at all. But it, it, there's actually a point in the match where you can see Hogan tags in and is like, All right, follow my lead, brother, and he just starts working. And it's one of those things that makes you realize, like, Hogan can work. He just never really did. <laughs> and yeah. It was always – it's kind of funny to watch because you're like, wow, he's actually really good. He just kind of was like, eh, whatever. I mean, you know, I think in the later part of his career, just kind of cashing his checks. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he knew how to get the most out of any situation. I think that was Hogan's calling card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you're in there with those, you can only do so much. Right. So do you remember this is a tie-in to last week with uh, – the uh, TGIF and Family Matters. Do you remember Grandmama? I do, yes. Um, yeah. That was like Steve Urkel's mystery partner in the tournament, right? Yeah, so it started out, it was, uh, I think it was a Reebok commercial, and Grandmama played by Larry Johnson, who, I don't know, slam dunk, I think he won the slam dunk contest one year. Oh, that was another huge thing. We got to talk about that. But uh, number two for the Charlotte Hornets. And, uh, yeah, anyway, he played this character in a Reebok commercial called Grandmama, who was just this apparently ballin' 80-year-old grandma. 
But then, yeah, he went into like a two-on-two tournament and was Steve Urkel's partner. So, well, that's also the era where Steve Urkel kind of got ridiculously jacked too. Remember, and I remember that was like a big, <laughs> that was a big ongoing issue because it's like, oh, Steve Urkel can't be jacked, and he like I think that's when he was like bucking the system. He's like, I don't care, I'm gonna work out. I like lifting weights, you know. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I do remember that. That was. Like, watching just Family Matters, it's like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, why is there a uh, clearly, you know, hugely tall basketball player dressed like a grandma? Because I didn't understand it at the time. Yep, yep. I wonder why he hasn't become, like, a model for all the transgender community. I have no idea. Like, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was, that's a good point. I have no idea why that didn't happen. Oh, uh, we're not going to get into that mess. No, that's a that's a whole other thing. Um, actually, one one cool thing I think I should tell you about on that website, Homage, they have these series of. I said they had all the NBA logos, but they have this as well, and I thought this was a cool thing. I actually have a couple of them. They have all the the NBA teams mixed with a DC Comics character uh-huh. on their T-shirts, and so I have one. It's like Joker with the Charlotte Hornets. It makes no sense, but it's kind of funny. And yeah, they right. have one of the Batman, Batman and the Riddler on the L.A. Lakers, and they they have all the teams. But I'm like, that's actually really kind of fun. I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's kind of cool. You know? Do you remember? Like, I feel like too in the '90s there was all this like, well, we talked about cross promotion, but I always remember like Looney Tunes was always like wearing NWO shirts on, you know, like a T-shirt. Yeah. Or they would do like the NBA, and they would be like all. You know, dressed up like the Chicago Bulls. Bugs Bunny would obviously be Michael Jordan. Oh yeah, that which was, we can that was talk like a, about it Space was, Jam. It was huge in like uh, t-shirts and stuff. Um, you always saw like those, like Taz dressed like a, ba- a basketball player. I think that's probably what the inspiration for Space Jam was. Yeah. Which again, I guess it was a huge movie. I mean, it was huge for me. I don't know if any. I don't know box office wise how it did. I felt like it should have done pretty well. What's funny about it, if you think. That movie could have been so bad because it was literally a guy who's not an actor, Michael Jordan, acting with cartoon characters. Like, right. that could have been so horribly bad, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I think it still holds up today. And, you know, they got some decent actors on there. Well, Wayne Knight, I think his name is. Yep. From uh, Seinfeld and Bill Murray, obviously. And Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other NBA players that were in it, they were all awful, but... Yep. <laughs> Michael Jordan didn't do too bad for what it was. Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a fun movie, um, and I, I love that they tied it into his baseball career too. Because that was that that's another thing we should talk about if we're going to talk '90s NBA. How insane was that that Michael Jordan switched over to baseball? Oh, that was like yeah, worldwide news. You know, he his dad died or was killed. I don't remember, and then he ended up retiring. And then, I don't know, he kind of had a midlife crisis, and he ended up retiring from basketball in 93. By the next year, he had joined basically a minor league team for the Chicago White Sox, I think. Uh And, you know, he wasn't, overall, actually, if you you look at his stats, he wasn't terrible. But, you know, know, people obviously expect, you know, is he going to go into base? I I remember people actually saying that. Like, is he going to go into baseball and become like, you know, the Michael Jordan of baseball and become the greatest player ever in baseball and didn't really work out that way. Well, the thing is going into a, being a pro athlete, going into something without playing it your whole life is going to be incredibly difficult to do. This, this was like one of the first early representations I remember of like a publicity stunt 
Mm-hmm. Because that's clearly what it was. I actually had a Michael Jordan baseball card, oddly enough. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know where it's at now because that might be worth money. I don't know. It was kind of fun to have, you know. Because you know, I don't think he ever actually made it to the White Sox, but he was like like that was kind of the idea of getting him to that point because I mean he's freaking Michael Jordan, you know. Him right. he's a baseball player now. It's like what the crap. And um I but I liked how in Space Jam they kind of tied it into that and um like the Looney Tunes like, "Hey, we need your help." He's like, "I don't play basketball anymore. Like yeah. I'm a baseball <laughs> player now." And uh and then he of course ends up, you know, get you know, playing the game with the Looney Tunes. He he gets them their freedom. And then, you know, all the NBA guys are like, what, you don't have it anymore? You can't play now? He's like, there's only one way to find out. And then he comes back. And remember that short-lived Michael Jordan with the 45 jersey? Uh-huh, yep. That, I don't remember that lasting long, but that was definitely a thing. And they tied that into the movie, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I was you know, a huge fan of Space Jam. I got all the toys. Yeah. I think I had just about every single one of them. Those were great, man. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed them. Uh even though I was probably a little too old for him at that point, but that's right. Oh, yeah, because Space Jam was probably 95, 96, was, somewhere in there. about 95, yeah. Yeah. But, what's, what's so, it? you talked about the two-sport athlete. That was another kind of big thing in the 90s. I know it's not technically NBA, but you had guys like Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders doing the two-sport thing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were – I mean, you think about that. How incredibly hard is that? And both of them are great. You know, Bo Jackson was good at football and baseball. And same with Deion Sanders and just thinking how hard that would be to, you know, be exceptionally awesome at two professional sports. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and to be that good, because you, you have to be equally good, right? And yeah. I'm sure you know from childhood and playing different sports, like there's some you just didn't excel at. Like I was not, I was pretty good at baseball, football, and basketball really weren't my thing. So like I couldn't imagine, but again, like Michael Jordan wasn't the best baseball player in the world. Probably nope. wasn't terrible, but he's going to be because. But he's the world's greatest basketball player to some degree. So people are going to assume he's the world's greatest baseball player, and he wasn't. So I'm always kind of mesmerized or always interested in when I look at like freak athletes. So you think of like Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely what qualifies as a freak athlete, where he can pretty much go into like any sport and just because he's a natural athlete dominate, you know, in some form. Although I don't know about basketball because that takes a little bit of finesse. But uh, anyway, there's a guy you need to look up. You know, I don't know, probably know the name, but if you haven't looked him up, but his name's Dave Winfield. And he ended up playing. had his baseball card. Yeah. So he ended up playing pro baseball. But he was just this freak athlete where in the late 80s when he was drafted, he was actually drafted by – Four, I think it was like, it's some crazy stat, like four different professional teams in three different sports. Oh, wow. So, like, he was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks for basketball. He was drafted, uh, I don't remember who, for football. And then I don't remember who who he ended up playing for uh, baseball. Maybe the, I want to say the Mets, but that doesn't sound right. But I want to say, like, two, like two football teams drafted him. And then he was drafted all in the same year, and then he decided – that he's going to go play, uh, that he's, he was just such a crazy college athlete, like all pro, athlete, pro all pro sports drafted him. And then he ended up playing baseball, and I think he did okay. Like, you know, I think he was pretty good. But uh, it's just crazy, like, the, the ability he had to have, you know, to play multiple sports and excel 
at the college and professional level. Oh yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that was the like you said that was the era where you know trying to excel at one would be difficult enough. Trying to excel at two or three would just be insane, you know. And trying to make the right decision too to where where you're going to probably be the most valuable and make the most money would also have to be a factor in all that stuff. So yeah, but again, ninety sports to me were just so huge. Um, did you ever dive into like basketball? Um, I, I know you mentioned the Space Jam toys, but did you ever dive into like starting lineups or or basketball cards or any of that other stuff associated with the uh, '90s NBA? Oh, cards for sure. Starting lineup, I always liked them. I just never got them. Um, a lot of those aren't expensive nowadays, believe it or not. No, I've, I've actually I've got a couple. My I remember my brother was more into that than I was. He had like a Joe Montana starting lineup uh-huh. and uh, Cal Ripken Jr. I think he had that. Oddly enough, one of my older cousins had about – he had a little desk in his room, and he had about 10 starting lineups all displayed on there. And I'm like, oh, these are cool. And he goes, those aren't toys. I'm like – I was just looking at it. He's like, you can't play with them. They're not toys. And I'm thinking like, okay. I'm looking back. I'm like, yeah, they were. <laughs> They're totally right. toys. But you just looked at them as collectibles, which is fine. It just it was kind of funny based upon the you know the time period. No, we, me and my brother, we were totally – so I did – we were totally into the basketball cards, so – Here's something just, I guess it was nerdy, you know, that we did was when the NBA was on like every Saturday, you know, whenever we would get out a a pad and pencil and we would actually keep our own stats uh, through the the game as we watched it. It's one of those random childhood memories. My brother was super into it. I kind of just tracked the points, but like my brother would like track the assists and you know, the steals, blocks, all that stuff. And he, he just had notebooks and notebooks of this stuff for like two years. You know, that's all, that's like all he did. And he just had these notebooks in his room of all these games. And then he would kind of get a kick out of just going back and looking through his notebooks and, you know, remembering, remembering some of those things. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I used to, uh, when I would rent wrestling tapes from the video store, you know, you could see the matches on the back of the box, but I would rent like two or three tapes sometimes, sometimes four. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't remember all the matches. So I would I would have a notebook and I would write down all the matches that happened. Yeah. So that later on I could go back and remember all the matches. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like so nerdy. I don't know why I did that, but it's kind of the same thing. I assume what you're talking about. It's just like our, our own way of kind of keeping tabs. But again, back in those days, man, we didn't have like Wikipedia and all this stuff, right? So sure. there's no way to have any record of that. And so that was that was kind of what we did back then. Yeah, for sure. So do you, uh, were you big into, I know for us, like every single year it was a big deal for the Gatorade slam dunk contest. Was that something you followed at all? I didn't. Um, but I will tell you this though. I remember I've never been a huge video game person. I do like old school games, but I think around PlayStation two, my, my video game fandom kind of dropped a little bit. I did have an Xbox 360, but I didn't play it nearly as much, but I remember on PlayStation 1, I was at a friend's house, and he rented NBA Live 98. And uh-huh. I was like, eh, I don't know. But on that game, they had a three-point contest. Oh, yeah. And so you, you basically you pick your player, and you shoot three-pointers. And, like, you you know, you basically shoot five baskets, and you go to the next station, five baskets all the way around the, uh, the three-point line. I literally asked for that game for Christmas just so I could play three-point contests. That was it. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. I played it all the time. 
didn't actually play games. I remember my friends come over like, want to play a game? I'm like, let's do a three-point contest. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's fun, you know? But that's when those games started expanding a little bit, and you could do more than just, like, the one thing. There was multiple ways to play. Um, but, no, I remember seeing, like, slam dunk contests and all this stuff involving, you know, the NBA, but that was not really something I ever kept up with. Yeah, that was me and my brothers, kind of like our favorite weekend of the year in the early 90s because it was the NBA All-Star Weekend. So you had, uh, first off, you had really good coverage. Like there were extra TV shows on, you know, because that's just it. Like everything was so marketable with the NBA. But there was like NBA inside stuff, and like the whole episode would be dedicated to the All-Star game. But you had the the All-Star game usually on, I would say probably Saturday night. And then on Friday night was the uh, dunk contest and the three-point shootout. And every year those two things, like me and my brother loved watching those things. Um, there was that probably most famous dunk contest, 1988. It would have been Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins. Mm. And uh, I remember always seeing, you know, clips and highlights of that. They would show it every year. That was the year. He did it a couple of times, but that was the year, that famous picture of Michael Jordan uh, jumping from the free throw line. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, dunking. And, uh, yeah, we just really enjoyed it. I could, Let's see if I can remember. So 88 was Michael Jordan won, 89 Spud Webb, I think, won the dunk contest. 1990, D. Brown. 91, uh, might have been Larry Nance. No, I think it was, his name was Kenny Skywalker. 92, I think, Larry Johnson. 93, Harold Miner. 94, J.R. Ryder. And then I don't remember. <laughs> that is crazy. I was, big, I was a big fan. But, th- I mean, that's that is crazy that, like how big stuff like that was like a freaking slam dunk contest. Like, do they still right. do stuff like that now? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, it was huge in the nineties and I would say around two thousands, the slam dunk contest kind of dipped off and honestly it dipped off for almost like 15 years. Cause it was kind of the point, like what else can you really do? <laughs> like yeah. people had kind of done everything you could think of. And then, you know, five years ago, it started to get really good again, and people started to get even more creative, and the things they're doing is just insane, you know, now. Because it's funny, like, you go back and you watch the old slam dunk contest, and they were so huge, and the crowd would pop so big for certain dunks, but all it would be would be like a 360, which, you know, is pretty tame, you know, by nowadays comparison. Yeah. But then that was just it, you know, by, by 2000, 2005, it's like everybody had kind of done every dunk that we thought was imaginable. Right. Like there wasn't, there wasn't much left to do. So, yeah. you know, no one really cared. And then, like I said, about five years ago, people started to take it to the next level again and it kind of gained a little bit of popularity. So they're, they're coming up with some pretty good stuff these days. I, I'm curious. What, what do you think? I'm not saying the NBA lost popularity, but for you to specifically list 90s NBA, is your fandom for pro basketball kind of kind of wavered or, or oh yeah like i uh i don't even watch it i watched it pretty much i mean for me personally pro wrestling kind of took its place sure like i was a so you look at that like 96 jordan came back 96 97 98 and then retired again and then he came back and played like 2 years for the wizards but yeah, so for that me was personally kind of a weird, that was a weird time too we we're like what he's on the wizards like what is going on here so for me personally, I was pretty much done with the NBA in 98 when Jordan retired. Yeah. And, uh, and then I started watching pro wrestling heavier, you know, around 96, 97, 98. 
But I, I do think for most people, the NBA, the, the day Jordan retired in 98, that was the last day a lot of people, you know, watched the NBA. Yeah. I think Jordan just brought that kind of attention to the sport. And when he retired, it was the same thing. I mean, they saw the exact same thing when he retired in 93. Like in 93, nobody watched the NBA for two years. Like yeah. nobody really cared. And then he came back in 95, late 95 or something. Huge news all over again. Yeah, and then people watched it for three more years, and then again, not that, you know, people are still watching it today, obviously. It's not like they're going <clears throat> going out of business. But uh, this is kind of interesting, too. Like, the NBA was such a big deal. They even started in the mid-'90s, the WNBA. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, this, you know, let's cash in. <laughs> yeah. So they started a women's pro basketball league, which is still going today, but I think only about 12 people in the world watch it. Yeah, it's definitely not as popular, that's for sure. But, yeah, I think a lot of people, when Jordan retired, and that was winding down the end of Shaq's career, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these kind of guys that were legends, and you, know, you could probably compare it to pro wrestling, you know, as they were yeah. kind of winding down their careers, less and less people were watching. Well, you know, like with, with pro wrestling, I know, um, you know, 2002 to 2003, like Austin walks out, The Rock's making movies, and there was that period where Vince didn't have a guy. Yeah. I didn't notice because I'm fully invested in everything that WWE is doing at this point, right? You know, Hogan's back and Brock Lesnar's kind of taking over, Angle's doing great. Then you have guys like Cena and Batista kind of coming up and... I'm, I'm I'm totally invested. Triple H is still there. I'm, I'm thinking this is awesome, but sure. I, like, I didn't put together that a lot of people fell out of it because it's like, yeah, this is not this is not a big deal like it used to be. And um, but you know, it was kind of one of those things, like the fact that Steve Austin and The Rock arguably were the hottest acts ever in wrestling, and they were there at the same time, and they feuded, and they were both pretty much gone around the same time. Like that's a huge hit to the business, for sure. And yeah, so, and I'm think, sure. The NBA was the same, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. So you, you take these guys who are just doing gangbuster business like Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and so on, and, like, and all of a sudden they're just gone? Yeah, that's gonna that's definitely going to change, you know, a lot of aspects of, of how they're making their money. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I remember that time period, too, because, like, you know, like you said, you and I were still watching wrestling, but really by 2000, all my friends had quit watching it. Right. And it's probably the same with the NBA, like, if you're a huge NBA fan. You know, guys like me were like, eh, I don't really watch it anymore. Michael Jordan retired. And they're like, yeah, but they got, you know, Allen Iverson still and, you know, these guys. Yeah, but it's not as big a deal. Right. I'm like, I don't care about Allen Iverson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely crazy, though. I, I think, like, with any sports, you're always going to have the people that are super invested and other people that probably just watch the big games. I think wrestling's no different, though. You know, like, I, I know people who... Like I'm going to WrestleMania, and I'm thinking like I didn't even know you were a wrestling fan. Like, yeah. I don't really watch it, but it, you know it's kind of cool to go to WrestleMania. I'm like, well, yeah. Like I I kind of equate that like I'm not a huge football fan, but would it be cool to see a Super Bowl? Of course. Oh yeah. You know, like would it be cool to see an NBA you know All Star game? Of course. Like it's like, all that stuff is kind of fun. It's just like I went um, back about I don't know two years ago. I went to a Kansas City Royals game. One of my buddies was getting married in around that area, and that's kind of where they did the bachelor party is in, around Kansas City. And he wanted to go to a Royals game, big baseball fan. I'm like, okay. Dude, I, I, I go in thinking, like, oh, this is going to be stupid. But I had so much fun watching that game. Like, it was so much fun. Oh, yeah. And not a huge baseball fan, but it's like, wow, this is kind of cool to see, you know, the whole thing. And um, 
So I don't know. I think I think there will always be ebbs and flows with any type of um, sporting event and stuff. And I, you know, I'm sure there's the diehards that, much like your brother, that probably still keep stats on everybody and everything else. But it's just one of those things. I think some of us kind of you know go in and out of it. Yeah, I got to uh, go. So we live oh 60 miles from like Royal Stadium there, or Kauffman Stadium, the name of it. And uh, I've gotten to go to quite a few Royals games over the years. Oh, cool. But uh, the best time I ever had was I have some friends who they uh, they're they're well off. <laughs> they do pretty well in life, and they gave they wanted uh, to take their son to the game, but they couldn't go them personally. So they asked if I would take him. I said sure. So me, him, and a couple of friends, they got us these tickets called the Diamond Club tickets. Oh, nice. And, oh, my gosh, this is the way to watch a baseball game. Oh, I bet. So we were right behind home plate. You have your own table. Uh, like, you know, you're sitting in the stands, but you have your own table. And you have your own waiter, and the waiter comes up and waits on you, gets you drinks, food, whatever you want. And, uh, yeah, just like after that, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could go watch a baseball game with with the regular swine, like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it definitely changes. It definitely spoils for you. sure. But uh, you know what? You know, what did make me mad though when we went in the uh, in the Diamond Club on that night. It was Dollar Hot Dog Night. Oh wow! And I wanted to order the Dollar Hot Dogs, but I was not allowed to because I was in the Diamond Club and they I couldn't do the Dollar Hot Dogs because I was like, yeah, just give me like six Dollar Hot Dogs. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, those aren't available in the Diamond Club. I'm like, what do you mean? That guy's like 20 feet away from me. He's eating them. That's <laughs> so, so stupid. I hate rules like that, you know. So instead I had to buy a $13 cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, well, what's funny is when we went to the Royals game, a couple of the guys went to go get um, something from the concessions. And they wanted to get the uh, football, or the, I'm sorry, the baseball helmet full of nachos. Sure, that's a classic. They literally got back. It was the fourth inning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, you've been in line this whole time? They're like, yeah. I was like, I thought you guys just walked around. Like, nope. <laughs> we were in line. I was like, that is horrible. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, I think I'm good on the nachos. <laughs> but, yeah, me and my, uh, like I said, my brother was a huge sports fan in the 90s. And every year for his birthday, he would get uh, Royals tickets. So, I don't know, for five, six, seven years in a row, we always, every summer we went to a Royals game for my brother's uh, birthday in July. So, yeah, those were always pretty good memories. I remember my mom, it's, yeah, same thing that you're talking about. Like two years in a row, every time she left to go get us something to eat or drink, someone would hit a home run and she would miss it. So yeah. it was kind of this, like, inside joke. <laughs> like every time every time my mom would get up, someone was going to hit a home run. <laughs> that is always kind of fun when stuff like that happens, though. You're like, oh, you missed it. Like I remember I went to, we have a uh, local hockey team out here called the Tulsa Oilers. And a guy we knew had tickets, so me and my dad went, and I was just like, I just want to see two guys get into a fight. That's all right. I want to see. Don't know a lot about hockey, but I just want to see a fight. Literally, I go to the bathroom, come back, like my dad's like, oh, you missed a fight. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then, like, I remember I was about to go again, but I'm like, I'm going to hold it, I'm going to hold it. And literally, I finally saw a fight, and I'm like, if I had gotten up again, I would have missed a second fight. And it wasn't as good as the first one from what I was told, but still, it was cool to see a hockey fight, you know? Live hockey is so hard to watch. It is. Yeah, I've been to a couple of games. It's impossible to find that puck. I don't even know how the players do it. I don't either. I guess they get used to it. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that's why they allow fights because it's the only thing that you can really watch in hockey when you're there live because you can't really follow the puck. No. no yeah, it was definitely 
it was fun. It was one of those things where I'm like, I couldn't. And I guess pro wrestling's probably the same way. Like I, I look at wrestling being like as a fun outing, it's fun. And and this is something, and I'm sure you can get this. Like I remember as a as a wrestler being like, okay, how does WWE put fifteen thousand people in the Scott Trade Center, but we can't draw two hundred in St. Louis, the same town? Like <laughs> right, yeah. But I think you know I equate it to like the circus, right? Like if you take your kids to the circus. Yeah, it's fun, right? Like you see the trapeze artists, you see the elephants, you see the lions and tigers and the tricks and all this crazy stuff. And it's like, wow, this is fun. I'm sure the kids are going to enjoy it. And you buy them like, you know, the the ice cream cone that, that shoots off and stuff like that. And it's a good time. But you're not going to watch the circus every week, right? Right, once, right. Once is probably enough. Maybe even once a year is probably enough. And I feel like some people view pro wrestling in the same light and, and honestly, probably uh, sporting events in the same light. Like I, I know there's some people that are diehard. Like I heard Jack Nicholson's a diehard LA Lakers fan does never misses a, game, a home game. And mm-hmm. like, that's kind of crazy to me, but you know, that's, I guess that's the difference. Like, would it be fun to go watch a game? Of course. Do I, do I want to watch all of them? Definitely not. So, but I think, you know, a lot of people view wrestling that same way, which is like, Oh yeah, we'll go see that one show that one time. But after that, we're good. You know, yeah, I remember Jim Cornette uh, comparing pro wrestling to that and how, you know, when pro wrestling went more the way of entertainment and kind of admitted that it's all a work and stuff, how, you know, the people quit watching it and they quit going because they were no longer emotionally invested in it. And he said it's the difference between the Boston Celtics and the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, you hear the Harlem Globetrotters are coming to town and, you know, once a year, sure, I'll go see that. Yeah, because no it's one's entertainment. Gonna, Right, but no one's going to go and buy season tickets and watch 70 Harlem Globetrotter games, you know, a year. Right. But, uh, you know, but for pro sports, the Celtics, whatever, people buy season tickets and they get invested in this, you know, sport. So he said it's the same when wrestling went to entertainment that, you know, people are going to go once a year because it's fun and it's in town and it's the thing to do. Mm -hmm. He's like, but no one's going to, you know, go weekly to a show at the uh, Dallas Sportatorium. Right. You know, to, to keep up on things. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely different for sure. Um, but well, that can pretty well wrap up this edition of the rumble wheel episode 41. Um, I, I want to let everyone know, um, next week will be a different format as we are do- going into our Christmas special. So, you know, you heard the Halloween special a little, uh, f- a few weeks back. Uh, now it'll be a Christmas special, all Christmas themed, uh, things i guess we can talk about and then uh, the week after that we are doing our end of the year special including our hall of fame which we'll have a little bit more information on that for you next week um but definitely check out some of our previous episodes we covered just last week tgif kind of the the whole you know idea of what that was getting in trouble in school wwe films wwf bendums big bad beetleborgs happy mills amalgam comics Earnest movies and so many others. So check all those out. We have a pretty big archive um, of episodes now. We still have several on the wheel, which actually we'll all have to wait till the first of the year now, which is kind of kind of wild. But I'm looking forward to the Christmas special, man. I think anytime when you're, it's weird. Like you don't, I don't always think about Christmas until we hit that season, and and man, when you hit it, it's like. It, you're wrapped up in it. Christmas lights, Christmas music. Oh yeah, Christmas movies. We're going to cover all that stuff, you know, just even in being in stores, Christmas decorations, Christmas trees, all that stuff. It's a, 
it's a fun time of the year. It's a chaotic time of the year. It's a broke time of the year. It's kind of oh, everything all rolled into one. So it'll be fun to dive into. Are you a big fan of Christmas? Big Christmas fan, yes. Do you have anything like Christmas wise, like a collection that every year you buy one more of, like a village or a Christmas ornament, anything like that? No, I uh, for, honestly like the, Funko, and I don't know if they do it still. They put out a line of Marvel Christmas pops one year. And this is probably yeah. like 2016, 17, and I thought these were awesome. It was like, um, so it was like Deadpool instead of his swords, he had like two candy canes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and a few others. And they did a line of Batman Funkos where, like, Joker, and he had, like, a, a bomb that it was a present that said, like, Merry Christmas, and he had a Santa hat on. I thought those were really cool. And, and as far as getting into Funko, I'm not really doing that anymore. But I have thought about buying some of those as, like, okay, I'll buy these as specific Christmas decoration. I haven't done that, but I do think that that is a fun idea. Yeah, I had a couple of the uh, Funko DC ones. I had the Superman and the Joker with the the Christmas present bomb thing. Yeah, and those were those were fantastic. I thought those were really fun. Yeah, so well, every year we can you know end on this, but every year my uh, dad gets me a uh, I can't remember the name of the line. I think it's Classic American Cars, uh-huh. and it started out my uh, actually godmother started buying me this line when in like 1991. It's a Hallmark ornament. Okay. And uh, every year it's a different car. So she started like in 91 buying me those. And then then she kind of stopped. And then my dad and my mom at the time picked up uh, picked up the tradition. So now, you know, she or they buy me those cars every single year. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. Something I look forward to every year. Oh, yeah. And then we started doing it with my kids. So we we're looking for new lines for them. So with my son, we get him a Hallmark train. Every year, train ornament, and then my youngest son, he gets, uh, oh, I don't even know what the name of it is, like a parade. Anyway, it's not worth explaining, but anyway, he gets an ornament, my daughter does too, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool cool family tradition. I think stuff like that's always fun. We never really, um, never really did that. I know my mom does more of like a... I don't know how you describe it. It's like a tree that's like all, it's very uniform. Like the ornaments all look the same and she likes that better. I, I personally liked our nineties tree of just like the craziest, goofiest ornaments Uh I think of like, um, you know, I I don't know. Like to me, that was more fun to have like that, that feel to it. Like it's, it seems so nineties because it's so over the top. Like I remember even WWF had Christmas ornaments back in the day. Like you could buy them at Spencer's gifts. I thought that was so cool. So, uh-huh. To me, I would I would love to do something like that of like a tree with like just you know the goofiest like I would get like Transformers, Star Wars, GI Joe, all those type of ornaments. I would go out of my way to find the most peculiar ornaments possible just for that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I started. I did this uh, last year. I think I started my own little tree, and I've been hanging these little VHS Christmas ornament tapes on it. Oh, that's so fun. That's- that's kind of my. Have you seen those? The little VHS tapes. I haven't. That, but that would be right up my alley. Yeah, check out Walmart. Uh, that's. I mean, that's where I got them. So I got like Indiana. So it's like, uh, I don't know, two inch by three inch ornament, maybe or maybe even one inch by two inch. But it looks just like a tiny VHS tape. And like I've gotten uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Elf, Nightmare Before Christmas. Trying to think, all sorts of different ones. See, that would actually that actually might make me 
I could see myself getting like that type of a collection, mm-hmm. like a Christmas ornament collection of something that I'm like, you know, into, um, VHS tapes. Cause I, I think they have Funko pop ornaments now, which I think is kind of fun. Um, yeah. So stuff like that, I could see getting into that. Is, that is pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to next week though. Yeah. And obviously Christmas movies are huge for me. I love Christmas movies. So that will be, that will all be fun to dive into. So get ready for some more Saturday morning rumble wheel next week as we dive into our Christmas special. Uh, thank you guys for checking out the rumble wheel. Uh, it is an odd numbered episode this week, Daniel. So it is your turn for a plug of the week. Do you have something or someone you would like to plug this week? I do. And maybe you can help me with this plug. Cause I don't know much about it. I knew I had the plug. So I was just, Scrolling through Twitter, I'm like, ah, oh, what can I plug? So what do you know about this book called Shoot Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Tales of a Pro Wrestling Veteran. So, uh, yeah, Bill Benis, he wrote a book. Um, so if people don't know, I'll kind of just pull, peel the curtain back totally here. So um, back in, like, 2015, me and Bain, had, we were doing Breaker and Bain's Power Hour. And... Um, he, we decided like, what if, cause there was a podcast at the time called 10 minute podcast with Will Sasso uh-huh. and, uh, each I episode, I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but each episode was kind of unique and some were this, some were that. And he had this one show that he would do called Pete Suchalowski's wrestle place where he was like this nerdy guy in his basement doing a call in wrestling <laughs> podcast. And like one guy <laughs> would always call in, but that was the only one. And he's like, oh, welcome to Pete Sachalowski's Wrestle Place. Today we're talking top three tag teams of all time. Number one, the Head Shrinkers, and the phone would ring. And he'd answer, uh, hello? He's like, yeah, this is Jerry Wozniak from uh, Saginaw, Michigan. How on earth could you say the Head Shrinkers? Hi, Jerry. Uh, well, let me tell you about the Head Shrinkers. Like, it was so ridiculous, <laughs> but it was so funny. So that kind of inspired us to do, like, well, maybe we should do, we called it the Breaker and Bane Network. We were going to do a series of, like, small shows, kind of character type shows. And Bane had the idea of doing a, um, that, you know, a, a pro wrestling star who never really wrestled, but claimed he did essentially. Uh-huh. Well, and I, and I had told him stories. I'm sure you remember like Stormy Davis and some of those guys that came around WLW that were, you know, claimed he was in WCW, but no, you know, right. wasn't, you know just total liars. <laughs> and so that inspired the idea of Bill Benis and he had the idea, but then he, I remember him messaging me one day and he goes, how about this name, Bill Benis, but, you know, spelled like penis. And I'm like, <laughs> brilliant. That's, that's it. Uh, and, uh, and so he started doing the show No Holds Barred with Bill Benis. I'm sure most people are familiar. And it kind of has taken on a life of its own. And he kind of told me, he's like, dude, I need to write a book. And I'm like, that would be fun. I, I never really expected him to do it, right? Because that's such a that's such a process to actually write a book. But he did. He wrote a book. Shoot, yeah, Tales of a Pro Wrestling Veteran. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it in paperback on Amazon. Uh, it actually kind of, I'll, I'll be honest, it inspired me. I've talked to him about it a little bit. It's like, dude, I, I've been wanting to write a book about my pro wrestling journey for a long time. Uh-huh. I, I always liked Matt Murphy's books. I thought they were really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, to write a you know 100-page book I don't think would be that impossible. And he's like, dude, you really should. It's actually been it's been a really fun thing. So I'm I'm actually thinking about it. I think it'd be kind of cool. I haven't picked up Shoot Yeah yet, but I definitely plan to. Yeah, I thought about doing a book. You know, I you know overall I feel like uh, nobody cares about me or my career. But somehow I don't know what the title would be. Something like name dropping or something. Maybe like name drops and knee drops would be. That, that's, that's just, that's just off the yeah. top of my. That's just off the top of my uh, genius head. 
But uh, pretty much just be stories about all the stars I've interacted with, you know, over the years, because those, those are the people that, you know, other people actually care about. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, your Macho Man Randy Savage story is amazing. Needs to be. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's also kind of what this podcast is about. It's kind of like an oral history of all of our weird memories, you know, and that's kind of what makes it fun. So I, I think it's it's really cool. Um, I know JG, <laughs> I gotta, JG wrote a book, and I always thought that, like, if he can do one, I can do one. <laughs> sure. I, I thought, so, not saying that he ripped off my idea, but I remember when we were, like, shoot interviews in the early 90s were always a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, or not the 90s, but, like, early 2000s when we were wrestling. So we always talked about doing this masked character, kind of like what Colt Cabana did with uh, Matt Classic. Mm-hmm. But doing a shoot interview is this mass wrestler who was, you know, basically he was a, a jobber in the 80s and 90s, but he's wearing a mask now, so you don't know who he was. And basically the premise is, you know, you're, you're basically just a loser, but you always say all the things that all the legends always say. Yeah. So, like, when they talk about The Rock, like, oh, yeah, The Rock. Yeah, I like The Rock. I had his first match. And, you know, every legend always, once you name somebody like Steve Austin, they're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had his first match. Yeah. So we would go through that. You know, everybody you named would be like, yeah, yeah, he's a pretty good guy. I like this. I had his first match. So, and then we <laughs> go that, ahead. Oh, God, that reminds me of a story. Anyone from Oklahoma will pop. There was this guy out here named Bobby Burns, older guy, probably in his late 50s. And I remember in the locker room him telling everybody that, he was bringing in Steve Austin to a show in Arkansas. He's like, yeah, Steve's only going to work with me, you know. But I told him, I was like, hey, man, it'll be it'd be a good event. I can't pay you a lot, but I can get you all the beer you can drink. <laughs> and people are just like list, listening. And I'm thinking, and someone's like, is he really bringing in Steve Austin? I'm like, no, he's lying. Steve Austin turned down WrestleMania. You think he's going to wrestle Bobby Burns in, in Arkansas? Uh-huh. Hell no. I mean, come on. Like, it's not even, not even close. And it was just always funny. But I remember I got back from Japan and, uh, I made everyone just, just crack up laughing because he was talking about his time in Japan, which obviously he never went. He's right. really full of crap. He's like, oh yeah, man, them Japanese boys. I was like, yeah, did you, did you wrestle, ooh, E Honda out there? And he's like, oh yeah, man, me and him tangled a few times. I was like, dude, he was the, he was the, craziest biggest japanese dude i've ever seen like he traveled the world you know on the uh new challenger circuit and you know wrestling <laughs> guile up in uh, up in the air force you know, start naming all these street fighter references he was that big zangief out of out of moscow i'm sure you remember him oh boy do i ever you know he just going along with it everyone is just cracking up laughing that's hilarious because he's clearly lying but i remember you know stormy davis that people don't know this freaking buffoon he used to uh, show up at wlw claiming he was in WCW and he wrestled Chris Benoit for an hour and all this other stuff. And <laughs> I remember a couple of the new guys came up to me one time. I was like, Hey, you know that stormy Davis guy? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, dude, he's a liar. And I'm like, yeah, big time. Right. And he's like, well, what the crap? And I'm like, I don't know. He's just, he's just a liar. He's full of crap. No, he wasn't in WCW. Did he show up and set up chairs? I'm sure he did. But I like, that's as far as like that went, you know, he's a, he's a compulsive liar and an idiot. And it was just, Unfortunately, wrestling breeds a lot of people like that. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely put that on the rumble wheel because, yeah, I could do a whole hour on that. Here's a great one. This was like an inside joke for the law. <laughs> I can't. Uh, it just makes me laugh. Uh, there, I don't even remember the guy's name. He wasn't a wrestler, but he would hang out a lot with the wrestlers. And uh, anyway. That's we so were many all, people, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were in the bar one night, and his phone rings. 
And he's like, he like gets up, like, sorry guys, it's Sid. <laughs> and then he walks off, you know, walks out of the room to whatever. So now for like two years then after that, like every time somebody got a phone call, <laughs> they're like, sorry guys, it's Sid. And yeah. they, you know, he'd walk out. Oh, great stuff. Well, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you just, you can't not call it out because you know it's it's too funny right yeah. um, we had a there's a kid that worked at the subway in eldon who used to claim he was batista's cousin oh i remember that yeah I remember batista's cousin uh-huh. and, he, and he had like a, he had like a batista logo dog tag i'm like uh-huh. well that was sure nice of him to give you that <laughs> you know yeah batista's cousin i go up to his house sometimes in washington dc and i'm like i think he lives in tampa now and he just sat there like yeah well he's got two houses and i'm like oh okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, it's so funny. Gotta love it. Good but, stuff. Yeah, but next week will be the Christmas special. Should be a fun episode. Uh, make sure to follow us on our social media at the Rumble Wheel, Facebook, Instagram, and the X, formerly known as Twitter. And that is all I got. Thank you guys for checking out the Saturday morning Rumble Wheel, and we'll see you next week with another weekly dose of nostalgia. <laughs>